Have you ever thought of a... a horse, hmm? Is that supposed to be funny? It should be a huge horse, about 40 feet high. What hmm? good would that be? <laughs> we build it hollow, and we fill it with soldiers and leave it on the sandy plain for the Trojans to capture it, hmm? <laughs> and... And it's just possible that the Trojans will come out and take the horse back into the city. And the Greeks pretend to sail away. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's quite an idea, Doctor. In today's episode... It, it was obviously a lot of happiness and the people who took part um, gave something wonderful of themselves. The lines in this... Honestly, if this existed, I just know it would be everyone's favourite William Hartnell story. And I can't imagine William Hartnell would have hated having experienced actors that He did have quite a... I think we've uncovered stuff here. Hello, and welcome to World Enough and Time with me, Andy. And me, Alex. How are you? Very good. On New Year's Day. (laughs) (gasps) Gosh, I'm feeling festive. Got my party poppers out. Have you? That was about you. Well, of course, New Year reached you first, didn't it? So well done, yep. well done on that. Yep, good work. Win on that. Yes, me. <laughs> Could have done a Christmas episode, but um, we did the anniversary special, didn't we? And that's more important yes. in the Doctor Who world. And than... that's Christmas for Doctor Who fans. Exactly, really. that's Doctor Who Christmas, isn't it? So good. Well, I always think of it as that. Yes. <laughs> good. So, um, how are you, Petal? I am much, much better. I have done very little since I last saw you, but it's been good. I've not pushed myself too much. Uh-huh. Um, haven't been back to work, still signed off for a wee while. Yeah. And yeah, no, I am feeling an awful lot better. I'm able to write again, which is good. So I have notes. You'll be glad to hear. That is good. Um, yes. Oh, and, and, and more importantly than me, I have... A new addition to the family. Yeah, so you need to explain why... I'm not pregnant. Why... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So, um... so, um... Yeah, so... When horrible things happened to me, an evil drunk man drove into me, yeah. um, at pretty much the same time, an evil drunk man, or I don't know if he was a drunk, but he was not nice, um, drove into Janet as well. So my lovely Janet um, is having a very long rest, as far as the kids are aware. <laughs> so yeah, not well, and is in the garden. Yeah. Um, so... I should explain that, that Janet Janet over. is a cat, just to make it really clear. New you li- all know Janet's a cat. Yeah, we might get new, lis- we might <laughs> get new listeners cat. to the podcast, you don't know. 
<laughs> no, they're like fucking hell. They so casually talk about death <laughs> in New Zealand. They just buried people in the garden. Damn it. She was lovely, but <laughs> yeah. But still, it's still not fun. Um, no, as we laugh. But yes, mm. I know. But yeah, uh, that's how we get through things. Um, but yeah, so I found another lovely little lady who needed a home she was five years old and has had far too many babies i feel quite akin to her in that way (laughs) um not the age but the uh, anyway um so yes she needed how she needed a home she needed to not have any more babies she had seven litters unbelievable oh my god um and so she now lives with us um her name was wrong so we've corrected that um, and now we have Leela, who has joined the family. Yay! So, yes. Great news. Yes. Yes, she's adorable. Yeah. And she knows she's Leela, 100%. Good. Even though she's not the most warrior-like of all the animals. Mm. Louise Jameson will be pleased. Well, yes. Louise was the reason. She sent me a lovely message while I was recuperating. So she needed to be honoured in some way. So, yeah, I'm getting used to her. She's, you know, she's getting used to me. I'm getting used to her. But, yeah, she's she's going to be cool when she learns about this family and squeezing and hugging. So what the listeners don't know is that there was a, <laughs> there was another name in the mix for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And what was that name? Was that one Harry Sullivan? Well... I think it was Ian Ian Martyr you were talking about for a while. Yeah. I just love the idea of a cat called Ian. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. Yes. (laughs) Ian Martyr, I think the kids would have killed me. They, um, Janet Fielding never was was pettish enough for the girls. So, I mean, I always thought it was the coolest name and she was the most adorable thing ever. Mm. Um, but yeah, Leela has a more pet-like way about it, apparently. So, yes. Mm. Ian Marta may join the family at some point. You just never yeah. know. So, what the listeners don't know is it took us quite a long time to get into recording mode today because of various technical fails. But um, now, at my end, we have a massive campanology session going on at the church at the bottom of the garden. So now I've got now oh, I've got this good. really good microphone. It's probably going to pick it up. Oh, they've stopped. Well, that's true. Your directional whatever. Yeah, but I'm not. Yes. Are there any spiders joining in with the campanology oh. though? You never know. They could be flinging their way up. I think down. that's what's happening. In fact, whenever I think of bell ringing, I think of spiders joyfully bell ringing now. So. <laughs> good. So well done. I could show you a picture that <laughs> depicts that perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Yes, I'm in a very good mood. Very happy. Yes, I love it. I, I love the positivity. Tell me more. Well, I think I just had such a good last training gig. Last training gig for Christmas um, on Friday in London. And I met lots of lovely people, including someone who will be listening to the podcast now. I always like it when I get a convert. Um, oh, good. Well done. You must have done very well to have achieved Yes, hello, that. Ryan, um, who is... Hi, Ryan. New Who fan. Great to hear from you. New Who fan, not old. Oh, okay. Um, So he's going to listen and go, "Mm, yeah, it was fun. No, no, I got a message (laughs) saying he was confused. He laughed out loud several times. He was really confused, but he was entertained. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we like to hear, isn't it? I think that that is our 
strap line from now on. Confused but entertained. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was going for, but great. Yes. So, um, what have you been watching on television recently? I need to know. Oh, God, what have I not been watching on television? <laughs> I have seen it all. There are no series left for me. I've seen everything that exists. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I am, I am getting to the edges. You know, I actually went back to new old or old new survivors. Oh, did you? Um, Gosh. Yeah, which that that was when I realised I'd, I'd gone a step too far. <laughs> I was like re-watching an old series that was a remake of a series that was better is yeah it's it's when you know that you've you've seen everything so yes i have seen all of the series um nothing i've really uh, nothing i'm too excited about like i feel like i'm just watching them as some kind of challenge <laughs> like i'm watching fringe at the moment and it's so boring oh, wow. and like every episode i'm a f- i'm just furious that nothing's really happening wow. but i'm still plodding through because it's a way to Yes, that... just have something to keep me company during the day. That's a sad indictment of television today, isn't it? My lord. <laughs> or maybe you just already watched or all the good the stuff. That... Yes. I, oh, I watched Daybreak. That was fun. Good. Not at all on brand for for our kind of brand of sci-fi. Yeah. And you would hate it, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Good. So I've been watching His Dark Materials. Good. Oh, oh, why on earth have I not downloaded Very that? strange. Yes. yes, is it good? It's very good. Very, very good. Um, Faithful to the books? Well, I read them so long ago now, early 2000s, that it's really hard to remember. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm probably saying, I think you gave them to me. To oh, me, did I? So I yeah. think I'm probably about the same time. So I, I remember, I remember snatches. Did I tell you the story about the phrase, I remember snatches? <laughs> No, but it sounds very dirty. <laughs> so it was at the Tenko reunion, and um, and there was this line that we should have said, and Louise Jameson said, "You really should have said it, Andy, or she should have said it on stage. It would have just brought the house down at the Imperial War Museum." Um, and there was some saying it's a woman talking about Tenko. She said, "I don't really remember. I just I just remember snatches." <laughs> <laughs> It was Tenko, it was just too perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Rude. Anyway. um, No, his dark materials, one of our main concerns watching it is a ridiculous concern. And that is um, that the main baddie in it is called Mrs. Coulter. Do you remember what her first name was? Well, it's Marisa. Um, oh, okay. Yes. So, my, 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 my wife. My wife's name is my wife. Um, <laughs> so, we're desperately waiting for them to say Marisa to see whether they get it right. And Marisa has worried about this for too many years that whenever it finally gets properly adapted, that they say it right. It's going to be Marisa. Yeah, it's going to be Marisa, which is what she gets called all the time and hates with more passion than you know. If you get her name wrong, she's actually thought about how to. To enact your death. So, um, so in the film, did they did they get it right? In the film, The Golden Compass, I don't think they ever said it. On stage, oh. we saw a stage adaptation which lasted about three hundred years because it was all three books with Anna Maxwell Martin as Lyra, and Timothy Dalton was in it okay. as Azrael. We couldn't believe it was Timothy Dalton, and Patricia Hodge was Mrs. Coulter. 
and Timothy Dalton oh, shouted yeah. really loudly at the National Theatre, Marissa! <laughs> <laughs> Marissa then just stormed on the stage. Right, yeah, stop everything! Um, yes. So, um, apparently, in an episode ago, I'm still catching up, they said Marisa kind of half, like a bit of on the fence. We don't know whether it was Marissa or Marisa, so she's, she kept rewinding it back to check. But they're waiting, <laughs> she honestly did. Um, but now we're waiting for a more solid pronunciation of Marisa, and we'll see. Yes, that'll be all our. Really. And this is the most important Very thing about this adaptation. Let's forget about everything else. Do they say the name Ryan? <laughs> no, it's very good. I recommend it. Yes. Good. How many episodes through are you? I'm three through. Three through, okay. and there's two more. That sounded very hard to say. Yes. But there's eight in total. Eight in total. Oh, God. So I think, I think it's just Northern Lights as well, so I think they'll go on and do the other. Oh. Yeah. Oh, right. So they're doing it in quite a detailed way, um, you know? It's not like... Right, and are they committing to doing all of them, or only if it's well? They're flipping better. Oh, I think no, in terms of terms of the, the world of international television today, the sales of it and post sales of broadcasts, I think it'll just be yeah. I think there won't be a problem. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. Thanks for that. So, moving rapidly on, I've got a quiz for you, Al. It's time for a quiz. Oh yes. I love this part of my life where I don't actually have to be a grown-up or be organised and I can just be looked after by you doing quizzes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Okay. So, today's, qu today's <laughs> quiz is called Jack or Jill. Oh. Any ideas what it what right. involves? Um... You're going to give me the name of someone and I have to work out if it's a man or a woman. Precis, as they say in Sweden. <laughs> Precis, or oh, exact. Yes. So, yes. I mean... Or oh, absolute. Oh, and they absolute do. <laughs> Honestly. See, I know Swedish. They totally do. Absolute. So, you get an extra 300 points if you can at any point name the story that the character's from. I mean, it's not going to happen, which is why I'm being so generous. <laughs> okay, well, I shan't hold out any hope. Although I will give you the clue that all four, um, sorry, no, it's only the first four Doctors that these stories are from. Good. Yes. Okay. So that gives you a clue. I'm making notes to help yeah. me do well. I feel like I yeah. will. So if... I'll do really well. So I think each time it would be a good idea if you just shouted out a Doctor Who story so that you might get those 300 points after you've said whether it's a Jack <laughs> or a Jill. Bit of a tip there on Good. strategy. So, um, so we start in time-honoured fashion with question number one. So, yes. Jack or Jill? Um, Questa. Questa. Q U E S T A. Yeah, come, I have spelling. Yes. Oh yes, thank you. Q U E S T A. Jack or Jill? Questa. feel like it must be a man because it sounds too much like Esther and I know that doesn't make sense but good I'm saying it anyway Questa who 
Okay, let's think of. A... So you're saying you're saying Jack, yeah? Yes. Okay, and for an extra possible and, 300 um, points, the story is. <laughs> it is. I'm gonna say it's Patrick Tran one because they always are because you're evil. I'm gonna say it's. Think of Patrick Trout's story, Alex. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't on the anniversary special. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like I really need IMDb up for this. By the way, you're doing very well. I'm going to say you. It is. It is Jack, and it is. Yes! And it is a Patrick Trouton story. So. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Those 300 points okay. coming your way if you're very um, good now. You need a list in front of you, really, I think. I think I do. Um, is Moonbase a Patrick Trouton one? Or is it that is. A, a William Hartnell it one? Is. Is yeah. it? Okay, well, I'll just go with that one. Okay, the Moonbase. So, it was just the story after it, or before it, I can't remember, the Macro Terror. That's amazing of I me. I know. I've got one story off from the word question. I know. That's effing amazing. It is. You have one point. So, yes. question two. And all the skill in the world. That's what I have. Number two. Jin Lee. G-H-I-N hyphen Lee. L-E-E. Okay. I know. Jin Lee. Okay. Although, when I read this, I was like, I don't believe that's that's the person's name because I remember the name differently. So I'm just gonna while you're thinking, I'm just gonna quickly check on IMDb. We may have to cut a bit of this bit. But I'm <laughs> thinking, I wish I just verified that because I got all these names from John Mark Lefissier's program guide from 1981, which is not the most up to date of of volumes. So I'm just gonna check. Okay. So by that you mean inaccurate? That's that's the sort of thing I'm going for. Totally inaccurate. Okay, totally inaccurate. Good. <laughs> um, good. Um, okay, Chin Lee. Man or woman? Man or woman? I'm going to go man again. All right, we're well, and... starting again. Starting again, okay? Because I was right. I thought it was wrong. So. Oh. Number two. Chin Lee. <laughs> Right. So, so oh. Alex's laugh then was because um, in the Doctor Who program guide from 1981, um, they named this character Jin Lee, but it's Chin Lee, so that's C H I N hyphen Lee. They may not even be a hyphen. Is Chin? <laughs> they may not. Was it not L I as well? We're definitely there with the double E, are we? Yes, totally are. I'm glad I checked trusty IMDb. Yes. Okay, so... Chinley. I'm still going to go man. Right. You're like, well, that was... No! Um, I'm very good at flipping <laughs> around. Um, and I'm going to say... John Pertwee. It is a John... It, yes, it is. It is a John point. Pertwee, yeah. Oh! <gasps> Oh my god. Okay. Chinley. How could there have been a chinley? You really have to these 300 extra points, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I'm going for it. Um, ambassadors of death. 
No, but only if that three stories out. It's The Mind of Evil. Okay. Yes. I'm still quite proud. Yeah, but they were a female. <laughs> so no points. You're on one point Damn still. It. Right, okay. Number three. Kando. Kando. K-A-N-D-O. 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 <laughs> Are you doing actions? I need to know. Of course. Okay. Kando sound Okay, I can't just go man every time, but I really feel like it's a man. <laughs> man! And the story? Okay. Um, first Doctor... I'm going to stop you there. We'll I'm going to stop on. you there. No, it's a patching. <laughs> I'll stop you right stop there. You. Um, and it's a woman as well. It's um, Kando is in The Dominators. Oh, fuck. I watched that really recently. Uh, oh, I'm so shit. Yes. Damn it. The bell ringing continues. The Who bell ringing that? continues a pace here. I'm slightly worried about how much we're going to pick. But it's quite nice to have it in the background, actually. It's just as long as it's not for the whole freaking <laughs> podcast. Um, so was she one of the? Yeah, she's one of the um, Dulcians or Dulcians. That's it, isn't it? One of the pacifists. She was the main female one. Yes. Right. Bugger. She obviously wasn't memorable, bitch. <laughs> Good. Still on one point, right? Number yeah. four. Chicky, Chicky, C H I C K I. Are you are you confident that you've got the emphasis on that name correct? <laughs> <laughs> what Chicky? <laughs> Just say Chicky, Chicky. Right, Chicky. Did you, did you get confidence from that? <laughs> yeah, no. What? She is a girl. So rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. Jill. Correct. I got yes. And first doctor. Stop you there. <laughs> Stop it. Stop you there. Good. Also from the Macro Terror. You bastard. Don't care. Don't care was made to care. Not on this occasion. So yes, chicky. Or good. Chicky, chicky, chicky. <laughs> Sorry, good. went a bit rogue for a moment then. Right, <laughs> you got two points. Number five. I have. I feel them all. Hensel. Hensel. H e n s e l l. Hensel. He's a man. I feel like he was a scientist. He definitely wore a white coat. Yeah. And he was in the third Doctor story. And Stop you there. Stop you there. (laughs) But yes, a man. Correct. Yes. So you've got three points now. Um, But the story was Power of the Daleks. Good. Yes. Okay. Number six. Wilder or Wilder or... Wilder or Wilder, I don't know. <laughs> w Y W Y L D A. Wilder. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Good. Slightly drunk um, here. Slightly euphoric. Don't know why. <laughs> it's those bells. They emit some kind of weird. 
might be that. Connections upon you. Um, okay, so that's a lass. It's a lass. And, yes. Gosh. Um, and it's the first Doctor lass. It is first Doctor. Gosh. Is it a first Doctor chap? It's... No, sadly, it is. No, sorry, it is. It is. It's a Jack, not a Jill. But um, yes, sorry, I'm I'm changing it to chaps and lasses. No, but did <laughs> but did you twist. you said girl though, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, so you're wrong. I know. I got that. <laughs> I see. Okay, I see. So it's the first Doctor. But I'll give you three hundred points still if you can name the story. It was Planet of Giants. No. Actually, there's no one in that one. No, there really isn't. Mm. The savages. savages. Oh! <laughs> <It was. gasps> no! Yes. So close. If only I'd have said that first. Oh. I know. That's really funny. It was just saying that exact same time. Oh. Weird. Right. Fuckers. Yeah. So you're still on three points, and we now now come to number seven. The jackal. Yes. The, the jackal Jill is called Melium. 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 Oh, I'm saying chap again. I think I've said chap for everyone, haven't I? No, you haven't. Um, but... Oh, good. Okay, so chap and fourth doctor. Okay, totally wrong here. It's a Jill oh. and it's in the Hartnell story, The Ark. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Number eight. Lizan or Lizan, L I Z A N. L I Z A N. A N, yes. Um, girl. Correcticus Potts. Good. Second Doctor. Karong. Um, first oh. Doctor, the Daleks' master plan. Number nine. Four whole points, though. At least. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just barely. Yeah. Singe. S Y N. I know. S Y N G E. Singe. Spelt how? S Y N G E. Okay. So maybe it's singe. I don't think it would be though. That would be weird. Singe. Singe. Um. Okay. Um. Chap. Correct. Second Doctor. Karong. Um, Damn. Fourth Doctor, the Sunmakers. Singe. I think he's the guy who gets tied up with the Doctor and he's a really nice guy. A really nice, friendly guy. Oh, him. In the Correction Centre. Yes. Okay. I think it's him. Did we, didn't we do that recently-ish? Didn't we do? Do, do. Yes, last year. Last year, recently-ish. Yes. Okay, yes, I remember him. You had the shiny outfit, didn't he? Yes. Shinier than most. Yes. Yes. So, you now have five points. Can you make it six with Good. the last one? Can you make it 306? <laughs> <laughs> the last one is Diedrix. And that is spelled oh. D-E-E-D-R-I-X. Shit, I, I didn't you used to take the piss out of me with this name? Possibly. It sounds like something I, I would do. 
You used to say Diedrich's and something something, and you used to make me feel like shit just when you said that. And it, you were oh, that like, I could nice with any name. <laughs> I totally did, didn't I? You, was, you wanted to prove to me that it didn't matter what the name was, you could still take the piss because you have a skill. Um, it's a core skill. Diedrich's. Uh, <laughs> it's been invaluable, I'm sure. Um, Diedrich's and blah, blah, blah. Um, Fourth Doctor. Correct. <gasps> but is it a man or a woman? Have you said that yet? I can't remember. Jack or Jill? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's a chap. Correct. Oh, could you get 306 points? This would be amazing if you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Diedrichs. And... Oh, this is really annoying. I feel like I know it. We need a little bit of magic to happen here. Unfortunately, the spiders in their in their church tower have gone quiet. There's no bell ringing to help you now. You're on your own. Um, pirate planet. <gasps> no. <laughs> no. What is it? Megloss. Oh no, I probably would never have got that one. There we go feel all right about that. So you got six out of ten, which wasn't bad, I don't think. That was a it hard wasn't. It one. It didn't look like that was the way it was going to go. No, it really it? did not. No. <laughs> now, something that was hilarious that um, Marisa pointed out. So I was going through the st different stories trying to find um, Jack and Jill characters that I could use. And then I got to the story, The Sensorites. And the only two characters that are named, um, other than Sensorite 1 and all that crap, <laughs> is... Do you know what they're called in the Sensorites? The only two regular characters... Uh, the only two guest characters. It's hilarious. And they couldn't... Be, Jack and Jill? They couldn't be more Jack or Jill, but do you know what they're called? They're called Carol and John. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> Which is um, the names of our mother and stepdad. So I just thought that was oh. so funny that John and Carol are the, the, the only only supporting yes. characters in the sensor rights. That was fantastic. I think it could could be improved with their presence in the story. That would be amazing. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I think Mum could kill people with their a foot detritus. Oh. A weapon. Yes. <laughs> Bore people to death by reading out ingredients from cereal packets. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Hark! What's that? Come over to New Zealand for a change. No, she hasn't actually. I'm just so lying. She's Hark, but she's coming to you. I can hear her pouring across your speakers. She's coming to us both via the, the magical world of cyberspace. It's the Kaliak! amazing. Oh my god. The bearer of amazing news, I feel sure. There's a scroll, as always. Mm -hmm. So, oh gosh, lots of text. Shall I just read it all out? If you could. In exciting news, after eight years with the Doctor being played by Tom Baker, Peter Davison from All Creatures Great and Small is going to take over the role as the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she has been holding on to that one, hasn't she? Yes. She's been around the world a few times. <laughs> She's amazing. 
That's really good. Up well, to, up that, to date that's news. news. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Okay. Great. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What would we do without her? It's just oh, amazing. Carry on, mainly. Yes. Mainly carry on. Yeah. And not notice the lack thereof. No, indeed not. So, we come to our story du jour. <gasps> I am very excited about this. Um, I know you are. Listeners I'm to... hoping the... to... What, burst, burst my bubble? <laughs> No! No, no okay, good. Okay. So, the story is the, the William Hartnell historical, The Myth Makers. <gasps> Paris claims Diomede here as a Greek prisoner, and Cassandra claims that you are a Greek spy. And a sorceress. Yes. Quite. After all, you do claim to know the future. Yes, but don't you see... Hush, my child! This war with the Greeks has been going on for ten long years. And frankly, we're very bored with being penned up here. Now, if you are what you really say you are, as a pledge of good faith to us, you must either give me information that will lead to our speedy victory, or use your supernatural powers to turn the tide of battle in our favour. But suppose I don't? Suppose the Greeks win. You will be burnt as a sorceress, a false prophet, and a spy. Well, as one of them, anyway. But I have every confidence in you, Cressida. And I will give you one whole day to decide which to do. Sight. Right. Can I start with some context? If you please could. Okay. Thanks. So the context is going to be partly behind the scenes stuff. Um, and then we'll move on to our first experience of the story, etc. So behind mm -hmm. the scenes, um, picture this. The Doctor Who cast have recorded Galaxy 4. They're very tired. Um, and we have Peter Purvis, Maureen O'Brien and William Hartnell recording um, a story that they didn't think the script was very good and Maureen O'Brien actually got very shirty about it, that she thought it was it was shit, actually. <laughs> and she was quite funny, <gasps> funny with the director about it. Peter Purvis was also unhappy because he'd got a script that was originally intended for Barbara, so he had all of Barbara's things to do. <laughs> um, I can just see her dressing up as a Greek soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? No, no, I'm talking about Galaxy 4, not the Myth Makers. Oh! <laughs> right, that helps. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, so they hated Galaxy 4. Gotcha. Yes, which was the last story of the recording block, the previous recording block, the second series. So they all went on holiday yeah. for six weeks. They come back after six weeks of lovely holiday. I imagine they all went somewhere quite nice and hot, separately. I can't imagine them on yeah. holiday together. Um, Aww. <laughs> and... There's quite a shock in store for one of the three. One of the three. And that one of the three is, of course, Moza. Maureen O'Brien. Moza to her friends. Who, dis yes. who discovers that she only has four more episodes to play Vicky in because her contract is not being renewed. And she's due to leave at the end of The Mythmakers. And they just let her go off on six weeks holiday without telling her, oh, you're only coming back for a bit and then you have to find new work, love. So they didn't tell her. Uh -huh. 
And so she's pissed off. She's pissed off. And the chances are it's because she got pissed off during Galaxy 4. And the new producer would come in and thought, oh, I can't deal with this one. She's a bit of a one kicking off. Um, right. So that kind of fed in. However, even so more... So did, did she want to leave? No. Because I thought you kind of said that she wasn't happy, so she wanted to go anyway. So she didn't want to leave. She just hadn't loved Galaxy 4. Yeah, I think she would have done a, f- a few more stories, definitely. But what is okay. really interesting is that the next story is the Dark Master, Dark's Master Plan. And in ep- the end of episode four, the character Katarina, who was introduced in The Myth Makers, as you know, dies horribly in an airlock accident. Now, the original intent, yes. the original intention, it is now believed, is that that is how Vicky would have been written out of the series. Right. That makes more sense. But that because why would you put her in for five episodes, this character, and then kill her off? Ooh. And it's now believed by a, a huge swathe of people that originally Vicky was meant to die in that way. But then they thought, actually, we can't do this because she's been a long running character and it's too horrible. So, yes. So we're OK to kill Katarina like that, but we're not for yeah. Vicky because we've seen her for too long and we were yeah. invested. OK. So wow. I just, isn't that good? Mm. other behind the scenes stuff yes. that you need to know I mean it's not important but I think it's nicely salacious is that Peter Purvis had a fling with Adrian Hill who played Katarina <gasps> Rude. and then had a fling with Jean Marsh on Dark's Master Plan so... <gasps> even ruder oh my god just buffing, so all, buff, buffing all the companions <laughs> Wow, that's terrible though. Isn't that in their contract, sweetie? What, that they shouldn't do? That's bad. No no inter-companion play, no. I'll just read a bit from Peter Purvis's autobiography. The trouble with our business is that one meets really interesting and attractive people all the time, and sometimes it's hard to resist. (laughs) Ew. You're not not happy about that, are you? No. Anyway, also because he narrated it as well, and he just he sounds like a very. No, no, I'm not going to say this. I'm going to get in trouble, aren't I? I'm no, don't. Up. Because Peter 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 Purvis is, is a friend of the show. Is he good? Good. Good. Carry on. Um, other interesting things. Um, it was written by Donald Cotton, directed by, by Michael Leaston Smith. Now, Donald Cotton agreed to write it and to do the Who thing, despite not having done any before, because he was said, well, can I... He kind of there's a bit of a contract thing going on. He's like, can I bring some actors from radio? I do a lot of radio. And I've also got this friend who's a musician, Humphrey Searle. Can I bring him in to do the music? And yes, then I will write this story. And yes, go for it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So he got his Humphrey... <laughs> Who was responsible for all the parping music, as I call it, during this story? Oh, God, that's horrible! That's what he did! That was really bad. But he, okay, but, interesting. But he also brought Max Adrian, who played King Priam, who I thought was one of the highlights in terms of the actors. Yes, yeah, yeah. he was. He was good. Now, don't be frightened, child. You shall die when I say so, and not a moment before. 
That's very comforting. Ah, you see? Neither of you has the least idea how to handle children. All you need is a little kindness and understanding. Now, first of all, what is your name? Vicky. Vicky? That's a very outlandish name. It's a heathen sort of name, if you ask me. Nobody did ask you, Cassandra. Well, I really don't think we can call you Vicky. We shall have to think another one for you, shan't we? Let me see. How about uh, uh, Cressida? Would you think that would be all right? Very pretty name. Very well then, Cressida, it shall be. And apparently there was a lot of the production team was different, weren't they? Because that was, I've yeah. listened to that interview with Frances Flippy Face. And um, yeah, she was saying how there seemed like a whole renewed enthusiasm with this whole new team who were allowed to do new and interesting things. Yeah. So yeah, that did come across. Yeah, because it was the first story of that season being recorded. So it was all change. Yes. Um, but the weird thing is, it kind of it went out as the third story of season three. The first story that went out was Galaxy Four. Then there was Mission to the Unknown, that one-off episode um, that is mm. a prelude to the Dark Master Plan. Then it just leaves that and goes into the Mythmakers for four weeks, and then goes back to the Dark Master oh. Plan. Now, that's, that's weird. Isn't so that, that weird? A, like a prequel with, but. Keeping God, that really expects the audience to have kept interest for a long time. Yeah. Well, I always thought that's so weird. I remember looking at it when I first saw the episode guide, whenever it was, early 80s. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? It's strange. And I thought I would check audience research reports from the time to see whether it did confuse people. And this is the first time I've actually seen. Yes, it did. Um, uh, several wondered if a mistake had been made and the wrong program put out. When they put out the Mythmakers episode one. Yeah. So, yes, it, as people were very confused, as you might expect. Yeah. Oh, gosh, how silly is that? Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Good. What, I've talked far too much, yes. so I'm going to hand over to you. What is your first experience yes. of your first experience of this story? Okay. So, this is a real new one for me. There'd been no... Um, no prior knowledge. No, I oh, think right. I had read it like way, way back when. Okay. Um, I think I I really liked the cover of the Target book, so it was one of the few that I, I did bother to read because it looked so pretty. Um, <laughs> but there was no memory of that. Um, and so yeah, it all felt very, very new. I, I don't feel like I've seen much Vicky before as well, so I felt like I learned more about her as a companion watching this as well so yeah um very yeah it's just an odd experience something that i've yet yeah, obviously not to have been able to see it as well um it's a little bit harder to get into it's um yeah. not seeing it and not having had a previous experience of it there's no kind of oh and then there's this and there's that and, oh yeah i remember like it just it didn't have when we do most of this that kind of that previous memory is always is always a bit of joy for it it just is like oh well it doesn't matter that it was crap because i remember it and therefore it's fun yeah. Yeah, yeah. um and so this occupied a different space it, it's not a bad thing at all but mm. it just felt it was it was like watching it or listening to it with um a more scrutinizing eye i guess because i think i allow a lot more sympathy for things when I, I have that pre previous 
memory. It's just something that allows me to just be like, oh, well, don't worry about it. You're all, you always fluff that line and that's why we love it kind of thing. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's really, yeah. this is our yes. first missing story, we should say, on the podcast. So hooray. We, we've, yes. That means we are going to cover all the missing stories as well as the um, existing ones. So I'm very pleased about that. Oh my goodness, you've just committed to so much. Very good. <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> um, just to tell you my first experience of this story, um, in the very early days of me getting Doctor Who Monthly in the 82, 83, I think it was an archive feature in Doctor Who Monthly and I just read it like it was like gold. I was like, wow, this is an amazing William Hartnell story and they're all in Greek costumes and it looks amazing. Um, but the thing I was confused about was that Vicky looked like she'd been married off to this really old guy because it wasn't until f- f- quite a, quite recently that the pictures of Vicky and Troilus together were more available because of the internet and stuff. Oh, so you thought she was with Priam? The, the pictures I saw that were with Priam, but I'm sure even some of the captions said, here's Vicky with Troilus, and it wasn't. And I thought, well, this is weird. Oh, Why is she with this okay. old guy who looks a bit like my dad? So, yes. <laughs> so now it makes a lot more sense because um, Troilus, yes. is, Troilus is very pretty. <laughs> like, I can see very why. Very pretty. Yes. So, yeah. So that's my only previous experience other than I listened to it. I think I listened to it about 10, 15 years ago when the, cas- the, the cassette, granddad saying cassette, <laughs> when the CD, CD came out. Um, and I I kind of it passed me by I don't know I wasn't really listening to it properly or something maybe it was a car journey Mm. but I was doing some gardening um, about two months ago and I listened to it and it absolutely blew me away I just adored it Um, so this is only the third time I've ever listened to it whereas yesterday in preparation for today oh gosh you are a good preparer of things aren't you oh yes so Overall, so you've already said it's hard because of it's missing and stuff, but how did you feel about it overall? Um, overall, I was just, I was aware that you really enjoyed it. Oh, I see. And so yeah. um, that, that did make me give it as much as I could. Um, if I compare it to other William Hartnell's, yeah, it's very favourable. It, it is written well. It is quite pacey. It's got joy and silliness in there, which works really well. Um, I, yeah, I, I just I really struggle to get past the fact that it, it's not mine. It, in the same way that I feel like a bit of an imposter um, remarking on any Jodie Whittaker stuff. Like, I love it, but I know as much about it as anyone who... Is just watched it just now, kind oh, of thing, I see. Or probably a little yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for this, I feel like it's not my place to. I mean, the bits I feel like I'm more able to comment on are like obviously I can take the piss out of William Hartnell as much as I like because he's mine. Like I, I've got rights over him, so I can <laughs> say what I like. And, yes. Um. So and yeah, and Vicky and Stephen as well. They're less so my companions. I've got a lot less experience of them. But yeah, no, I th- there's really positive bits. Um, there were some really strong characters in it that mm. um, that I'm not used to having. They they really there was a, an amazing set of actors, um, and that was quite unusual as well. I think for that 
that time in Doctor Who, I think there was just a, a lot of rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb type actors in there yeah. normally. Whereas this episode, I think there was a lot of really strong actors, yeah. which, yeah. I so I, I, there was there was some really good bits to it. Yeah, agreed. So I want to focus in on the first episode to start with, um, Temple of Secrets. I think it... Um, one thing I'm really interested about about this whole story is how this kind of it's very theatrical and very Shakespearean, and it's kind of almost like mm. it, it's British theatre as well. It feels it very, feels very English, and the lines are yeah. very English. You know, it's kind of an English version yeah. of Troy, and I, I find that really overly enunciated stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I wondered whether you might struggle with that, not being a massive Shakespeare fan, um, but oh no, I no I. That's not why I don't like Shakespeare. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> he talks bollocks, that's why. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they use proper words and stuff. Yes. So I could cope with that. I mean, the line that really made yes. me think was very Shakespearean was towards the end where someone said, what ails you, pretty princeling? And I thought, that's so Shakespearean. It's kind of like... Yes, it is. I do think that the writer was like thinking, I'm a, I can write Shakespeare. I'm, I'm amazing. <laughs> um, right, but, okay. But also, there's a brilliant meta thing going on that I really love about this story, in that um, it's trying to decide, it can't decide, or it's deliberately not deciding whether it's artifice or not all the way through, whether this is actually, um, whether they're taking it seriously as whether this is really the the line between the the heroes and the myth, and how they think well it could be Zeus, and they kind of it's a lived part of their lives that they have contact with the gods. And um, there's kind of all the costumery, which is very theatrical. And yet the reality is, you know, we don't know whether Troy was a myth or whether it was real. And I just think there's a real interesting balance between the reality of it and the unreality of it and the myth element. And, and of course, the fact that it's called the Myth Makers for Frick's sake, which I love. And the fact that the Doctor and his companions yeah are the myth makers it's actually a description of yes they're of them. responsible for creating them. yeah which yes. i just think is amazing and that takes that idea to a whole new level which is very new who the idea that the influence yes. can be so strong i mean you've got the visitation you've got the great yeah. fire of london but it's not called the doctor causes the great fire of london you know <laughs> but this is actually yeah. my god they actually the doctor came up with the the wooden horse come uh, i came up with the plan yes yeah yeah and also just yeah the fact that it's not just that he came up with that being a trojan horse but them being in a yeah a craft that is able to house a lot of people as well and just the fact that the tardis came into troy um in a similar way almost to the horse as well it's just like a it, preceding the actual Trojan horse bit. Does that make sense? Not really. Just uh, like when um, when they'd pulled the the TARDIS into Troy and when oh, Vicky yes. comes out and I was like, oh, I just love that that almost could have been the Trojan horse bit already. Like, because it could fit so many people in there. It was yes, just, that was an, I really like those parallels. That was an amazing precursor, wasn't it? I wrote that down as well. I was like, oh my mm. God, this is, this is the proto Trojan horse. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was yeah. That was nice. Uh, really, right from the start, um, 
this idea of artifice, which I already mentioned. Um, I love the scene where the Doctor says, oh, if you if you listen to them talking, the people fighting outside Hector and Achilles, they're doing more talking than they're doing fighting. And it was this idea that people are talking up their part and it's play rather than reality. I just like that sort of tension between is this really happening and are people really who they say they are? I don't know. It's just stuff. Okay. I liked. There was a, there was something about that line as well that got to me, and I'm just wondering if I didn't write it down. But yeah, it was it was the fact that he said he, he took the piss because he was like obviously that they're talking more than anything else. Therefore, um, no one's actually probably going to get hurt. Yes. Um, but oh, um, but then there was something about um, oh, God, my memory. Um, Oh, I really feel like I wrote this down. No, I'll have to come back to it. That's okay. It doesn't work. Something that was really interesting about that exchange as well is when the Doctor comes out, and it's not really obvious from the recording, is that the the distraction causes um, Achilles to kill Hector. Hector gets killed at that point. Yes. So even though they they are talking, um, and they're doing a lot of talking, and the suggestion is that, you know, it's fine, um, then Hector gets killed. So you've kind of got this... There's also an easy balance throughout between comedy and tragedy. And there yes. are some sudden violent bits. I mean, towards the end of the story, my God, it kind of gets very dark. But um, it's it's an interesting balance that they're striking here. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh, I've remembered the thing. Yeah, tell um, me the thing. Just the, within that section is... Um, oh, God, it's... Ah, yes. When Vicky's like, oh, um, worried about them. Fighting, yeah. and then the doctor says, "Oh, they must have a perfectly good reason for it." It just seemed really odd with our doctor as well. Like, just like he's like, "Yeah, brilliant. I don't really care about them killing themselves." <laughs> like, he just he wasn't that fussed about the idea. It's like, "Oh, they've probably got a good reason to knock the shit out of each other," and that's just that was his doctor. That was comfortable for him. He didn't have any worries about it, which I just thought was a nice difference i guess yeah it, it's a reminder that hartnell is different and it's a different yeah it's mm. a different doctor yeah exactly um i liked um when i i've already said on the podcast previously so i won't repeat it in detail but just the fact that um the doctor's really furious that um that the guy thinks that he's coming to him in the guise of an old beggar that's Zeus. it's Zeus, but he's he's decided to appear ah! to him. yeah Beggar? Yeah, no. He says, I beg your pardon, I do no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was lovely. I just I just thought Hartnell was really good in this. The the effrontery. And I could just imagine the close up of his face. Yes, it was probably one of the better um Hartnell's, yeah, he actually, I think Priam fluffed his lines as as much as Hartnell, to be honest, even though we love him. Okay. Um, yeah, the, he did a really good job in this one, which is yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's, the best fluff of all is right at the end, which um, we'll talk about later. Because, but it's just amazing that he fluffed his lines at the end, of Hartnell, in the most horrendous way possible. Oh, uh, I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it yeah we'll get to it I have a note on that one <laughs> um, I had a sudden flashback while I was listening to episode one of um, when Claudius is captured Derek Jacobi in um, well it's about three quarters of the way through by Claudius and he's carried off to be 
the emperor. Um, they, they found him hiding in the temple. And he's like, no, no, leave me alone. I, I don't want to be this. And I, no, you know, and he gets carried off by the guards and becomes emperor. And when they carry off the doctor to the camp, it really reminded me of that. You know, he's kind of like, no, no, oh, leave me alone. I was okay. strong parallels, I felt, um, you know, lording him yes. and carrying him on their shoulders. I'd like to think they did that. I don't know whether they did or not, though. You know, it's like it's this thing of not knowing what's there and what's not is interesting. Yes. Yeah. I did really enjoy Achilles and sometimes um, William Hartnell saying Agamemnon. Oh, God, yes. Agamemnon. Yes, what are they called again? Oh, they got so confused. It was just like, it's not that fucking hard. But yeah, Achilles was so like, don't let me say it again. And he had to say it probably more than anyone. So yeah, enjoyed that. I was very surprised that Agamemnon, as you say it, and Menelaus didn't take much part in the story because in the first episode, their setup is really important. But then after that, it's Odysseus. Yes, they were great in the first story. Oh, they're amazing in that first episode because they're brothers, aren't they? Mm. And they're having this sort of like boozy chat. And just the fact that Menelaus is so funny because he's like, oh, God, I'm so glad that Helen's not here. You know, I'm glad to see the back of her, really. Um, and, and, yeah, and she really did say that, didn't she? And the backstory around that was clearly that she was always up to this nonsense. She even says, yeah, I know, I'm so sick of it. She's always like, she can't keep doing it. It's just exhausting. Exactly. Clearly, like, she was taken, like, ten years ago by Paris. So I think, like, she keeps doing it. It's probably a bit of an exaggeration. But, but again, there's, yes, there's that yes, idea of right. um, it being an artificial construct, this story in that for the for the purpose of of us watching it they're telling us all of what's happened this is kind of the info dump scene um they're having these yes. conversations for our benefit um to explain that they've been there for 10 years but they're having conversations that would have had immediately once they got there rather than 10 years down the line um which is quite funny that they're talking about why they're doing it and all this sort of stuff. It's just... Yes, it did feel very much for our benefit, but it was still lovely. And I loved when um, when William Hartnell's like, oh, I could tell you things that you don't know. <laughs> and they're all... Like, Agamemnon's just like pissing himself laughing. He's like, oh, yeah, tell us something we don't know then. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the fact there was a weird bit there with Menelaus, which I thought it was like it was quite odd. Was um, when the doctor says your wife is unfaithful to you about Helen, and he he exclaims, "I didn't know that." <laughs> <laughs> Agamemnon's like, "Well, everyone else did." I mean, the implication being, "What do you think she's going to just going on holes and what you know?" Yeah. Of course, of course, she's a big slag. <laughs> but um, the other thing I was thinking with that bit as well is right. like. What actually was the doctor hoping to get out of that sentence? It's like, well, going up to someone and yeah. saying, oh, by the way, your wife's unfaithful. It's just like, I don't think you're going to get anywhere positive from that. That's no. just a, an area you stay away from, really. You're not going to get so, oh, thanks. Uh, cheers for telling me. Good, good job. <laughs> it's, just, it's not going to help your yeah. cause, is it? That's really not going to help your cause. No. I am most displeased who is in command here. I have that honour. As I have always understood, yet this mountbank Odysseus appears to be a law unto himself. He makes fun of his guests and laughs at Zeus. He will be reprimanded, if you are indeed who you say you are. 
If I am not a god, how do you account for my supernatural knowledge? Hmm? Knowledge of what? I can tell you one or two things that might surprise you. Uh-huh. Name one. Your wife, for instance, is unfaithful to you. What? <laughs> Everyone knows that. I, I've never heard it. Everyone that is except you and him, of course. Um, there's a famous line around this time, which was um, sit down sit down and have a ham bone or something like that. Um, oh, God, I've written that down, have a ham bone. Yeah. What the hell is that about? Well, I don't know, but um, famously Francis de Wolfe, who played um, Agamemnon, who previously was Vazor, the guy in Keys of Mar- Marinus, the one who is a bit rapey with Barbara. Oh, yes, yeah. in the, yes, in the wintry bit, yeah. yeah. Um, he said the line in the studio, I think, just to offend William Hartnell, come in, Doctor, sit down. Sit down, ham, and have a bone. Like calling him an old ham. Uh, in oh. terms of act- acting. But um, they did a retake, Gosh. apparently. But that's the it's one of those big legendary stories that you think, did that really happen? But, yeah. yeah. Yes. But apparently, and I can't imagine William Hartnell would have hated having experienced actors there. He really wasn't. I mean, he did have quite a... A fragile ego, didn't he? So any of that would have probably stressed yes. him out a lot. And that, that would have been a drag to a goal. Well, there was something else going on here that um, is well recounted. And that is that Hartnell was unhappy for the whole story. Partly because Maureen O'Brien was suddenly leaving and no one had told him. And no one had told her. Um, right. But also because he was playing in the same story as Max Adrian, who played Priam. And... Apparently, Max Adrian was really confused all the, all the time because he'd worked with Hartnell before, but suddenly Hartnell was not talking to him at all. Now, mm. don't know what the problem was um, in the sense that they don't have many scenes together. I don't think Hartnell and, and King Priam, our Doctor and Priam, have... Oh. No. So it's probably more the rehearsal room atmosphere or recording studio atmosphere. I don't know. But um, the issue is believed to be the fact that Max Adrian is Jewish and that also he was gay and that Hartnell had a problem with this. But, yes, yes. But I've been thinking about the the Jewish thing and Verity Lambert was Jewish and Hartnell and her got on brilliantly. So, you know, I I find that hard to believe it's a Jewish thing. Um, But... I think it's more likely to be the gay thing, but then I think, well, they didn't actually have any lines together, you know? So mm. I don't know whether you... I think it's I'm more likely... I'm much a... more inclined to believe it was just um, feeling less able. I think that was more of his fragile ego. Than I think so too. Because a lot of people would put it down to other things, but he just... Yeah. He has that way about him. Anyone who's more experienced or more yes. um, mature, I think he would just hate. Yeah, I think that too. I think you're dead right. And, and I know is, him well. This is what I was going to say as well. <laughs> I don't think it's any of that prejudice stuff. Um, I think it's literally that Max Adrian was a, was a heralded as a great actor. When they did the promo for the story, um, there were lots of photos of him and interviews about Max Adrian's going to be in Doctor Who, and I think that was the issue. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yes. Well, I'm glad we sorted that out. And well, like Francis, what's um, what's her, what's she called? What's Cassandra called? Um, Francis White. Yeah. So she was saying in her little pre-interview thing, she was talking about the fact that William Hartnell used to have his um, 
his specific chair that he had to sit in and no one else was allowed to sit. So I think if he's used to being like Lord of the Manor in that way, then having someone else get all the attention is never going to go down well. He obviously had kind of everyone jump into his tune. Yeah. He, for, he'd been in it for so long at that point. He, he'd got all the routine down. This was this is how it works. And suddenly there's, there's bigger actors than he's used to working with. Because yeah. there wasn't that happening many times before, was there? No. I also think there was there was unhappiness. This again, I'm I'm reading into this that um, when it comes to Maureen O'Brien, who he really was very fond of, and they got on brilliantly. Oh, was uh, he? Yeah, that she's kind of removed from him for the, the whole story, her last story, and yeah. he, he has hardly any scenes with her at all. He doesn't. They don't even have a goodbye scene together. That's kind of off screen in the TARDIS. No. What they say to each other. So he doesn't have his big emotional mm. goodbye to her. And the person who has the most scenes with her, or a lot of them, is Max Adrian. Um, yes. So I just think oh. there was... I think we've uncovered stuff here about... I think so. <laughs> I think we know more than people realise. Yes. Behind-the-scenes to... gossip. <laughs> exactly. Um, can I say something about episode titles? If you could, please. Yeah. So... Famously, this has got some episode titles which are are meant to be funny. Um, it only oh, has one funny title, that. <laughs> and that is "Small Profit, Quick Return," which is kind of yeah. And I think funny stretches it. Yes, but obviously Vicky is the small prophet or prophetess, as as they would say then. Um, so oh, I hadn't got that. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh. Good. But it's about profit and return, return and loss, that sort of thing. But it's not really funny. It's it's like a quip. But the interesting yeah. thing is the other three episode titles aren't funny. They're just kind of like Temple of Secrets, what is it? Um, Death of a Spy, Horse of Destruction. Mm. But originally, the final episode was called Is There a Doctor in the Horse? Which I think is a much better title. <laughs> Oh, I've just got it. <laughs> Isn't that... That is a much better one. Is yeah. there a Doctor in the Horse? It's just brilliant. Um, so, <laughs> seeing as they were going for quite a lot of comedy in it, I think they should have gone with that a bit more in that sort of sense. Yeah, you should... When you're half it, when you just kind of yeah. pull back a bit and say, oh, we can't really get away with it, then it's never as strong. You just... If you're going to say, this is going to be a funny one, you've really got to go for it. Mm. Yeah, And I think... Because they hedge their bets, it's slightly uncomfortable. I mean, I I, I love it. Love it. But it's like the Romans Mm -hmm. in the sense, which I know you've watched recently as well, the Romans. We've both watched it fairly recently, where you've got the funny bits, but you've also got some sudden horrific bad bits. And it's it's kind of a weird balance. And I just think sometimes, well, why didn't you do, you know, a bit more? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's what you mean. Yeah. So what did you think about um, the the Doctor's... Um, I, okay, I found it odd the way basically the Doctor fessed up really quickly. Like he really goes really far down the route of, yeah, I'm a god, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, trust me, anything will happen, I'm scary as. And then... Like when they meet Stephen, he's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, lion." Like it just was really strange. I just didn't get it, and I was like, "Surely there's some kind of penalty for impersonating a god." Or like yes. I just think, as soon as you've gone down that route, you don't, you don't 
go back, you like you are gonna be in trouble. So if I were you, I'd just I'd carry on no matter how bad it's getting. But he was just very quick to backtrack for very little reason. And it just really put him in way worse standing with um, Odysseus than that. But yeah. Yeah. Odd. It was odd. Sorry. Oh, God. I must mention, because I'm. I must mention, because I'm going to play it in. At the end of the very first episode, when the TARDIS vanishes, when the temple vanishes, has vanished into thin air, you know, it's not there anymore, there's a sort of Star Trek sounding sting at the end of the episode, which I'm playing in now. Disappeared. Vanished. (laughs) Into thin air. indeed yes yes good um into episode two i must just spend a long time saying how amazing francis white is is as cassandra yeah i'm with you yeah she was utterly amazing her the her ability for indignance was just so amazing. How dare you! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> Loved her. Yeah. yeah. Our good friend um, yeah. Ian Chambers. Um, he, he, when I said I was really excited about having listened to it and really enjoyed it, he said, "But, but what, you know, about that moment where she says, how dare you?' He's <laughs> like, it shakes furniture. It literally shakes speakers and everything. It's just yeah. astonishing." She really attacks her yes, lines, doesn't no, she? She just attacks every line. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to waste any line I've been given here. It's just amazing. Who are you? I'm nobody of any importance. I'm just someone from... the future. The future? How do you so? You're no Trojan goddess. Are you some puny pagan goddess of the Greeks? Of course not. I'm as human as you are. Then how comes it that you claim to know the future? Oh, really? Cassandra, you're always going on and on about it yourself. I'm a priest of skilled in organs. Yes, I know all those drilly flights of birds and entrails and all that kind of thing. Well, I mean, perhaps she's read the same ones. I shouldn't imagine you have a monopoly. Are you a priestess? Not I know of. I mean, I never took any exams or anything. Then how dare you practice prophecy? I haven't done yet, have I? Yeah, she brought. Yeah, she really brought it to life, and and the banter between her and Paris oh. was just fantastic. It was just that was my favourite scene, yes. to be honest. The bits between them because he was fab as well. Yeah. Did you say he was Aladon? Yes, he was Aladon. Um, it, but only in. Right. in and, but yeah, he was. But so in the, much better in the film, the Daleks film, not in. Ah, that's why I don't remember him. Yes, <laughs> got it. Yeah. He was really good. Barry Ingham, really good. Really good. He was fantastic because he was such an asshole. But that was brilliant, wasn't it? It was fantastic that he was such a coward. Yes, yeah, a real like, but a really lovable coward, like really adorable. Yeah, I liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've already mentioned how wonderful it is that the TARDIS is brought in as a as a proto Trojan horse, but I would just. Of all the scenes, I mean, I just loved—I'd love to see more photographs or more shots of Vicky coming out of the TARDIS, and it, it, just as it's about to be burnt, and it's a big crowd scene, and I just love how that must have looked. I'm just Did really excited. Did you see the, the picture where, where they were placing the um, 
the wood around it? No, no, I haven't. Uh-huh. Oh, see, I um, I listened to the audio, um, but prior to that, I'd watched. Um, there was some. Um, there's one. It's like one that someone had done that like they'd kind of photoshopped faces onto stuff and it was oh, yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. of strange but it worked really nicely so I got a bit more of a view of it but there was definitely one that had the wood outside the, the TARDIS when they were going to burn it and yeah a couple mm. of others and probably stuff that weren't real mm. but yeah no it, it did actually bring it to life a bit more for me and I'm intrigued as to how big a production it was because we don't know but in this time, Doctor Who was in the Riverside Studios in London and therefore they had a bit more space. So there was an opportunity for this to be quite a big set, this right. square in Troy. And I like to think it was. I don't know. But the cast list of people in the square, which is not... They weren't on the end of the episode, but they're in you know longer details about the story. We've got a huge cast of people who are stood in the square watching everything really? going on. And I think... Yes. Oh. And loads of Trojan sol- soldiers as well. So I think it must have looked pretty amazing. Um, yeah yeah but vicky's very together in this um yeah she was all like oh yeah trust me i'll look after myself yeah she but did you realize how young she's supposed to be as well yes because later troila says well i'm 17 and she says you're not much older than me me. it's like what the hell and it as soon as i heard that i was just like this makes the whole story feel a bit sick now because, like, you're kind of almost glad for Vicky that she's found her love. And you're like, oh, isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Like, and, but I'm happy because they're in their 30s. But, like, when they're actually 16 and 17, you're like, God, travel a bit more. Do a bit more with your life. Don't settle down. That's certainly the wrong time. And it just, it made me feel very sad about their relationship instantly. It just Okay. Yeah, not right. Yeah. And exactly. I mean, obviously, Vicky, I mean, Maureen O'Brien, Mozza, was, I, I think she must have at least been mid-twenties, I think, at the time. Yeah. But then I, I discover that actors are much younger than I thought they were all the time in Doctor Who. Yeah. I'm always yeah, amazed, like, Zoe was really Zoe young. was only 20 or something. It's just really bizarre. Wow. Yes. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved it when... Um, the contrast between the characters' reactions to Vicky as well was um, when when Vicky, Vicky reveals her name, and I think it's Priam says, "Oh, it's a, a sort of outlandish sort of name," and then then Cassandra jumps in and says, "No, it's a heathen sort of name." I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole name thing I found really strange because, like, afterwards, like when Priam's having his tete-a-tete with her and he's all like oh yes Cressida tell me more Cressida and it's just like well you know like two minutes ago she told you she was called Vicky so even though you don't like it the chances of her feeling like she feels comfortable responding to Cressida is very slim like it just felt like I don't know it just felt like when over here like when Asian people give call themselves Mary or something, even though obviously you know yeah. they don't identify with that in any bloody way. Yeah. And it just, yeah. uh, it just felt wrong. It really, yeah, yeah. it was not right. I think it's important that you know that Maureen O'Brien was 22 at the time. Wow! Thought she looked 30 at least. That's insane. <laughs> wow. but, yeah. I mean, in a good way. She was pretty 30, but nah, that was just wrong. Um, yeah. So, oh yeah, I liked the um, when Priam was talking about um, Cassandra, where he was talking about. Oh, I think she just does. Um, she gives all this um, really doom and disaster 
shit so that um that eventually she um there's like an insurance so that she always sounds like she's going to be right i really liked him talking about that issues like oh yeah, yeah. generally in fact just... I, yeah carry on no i'm just gonna say well let's play that scene in now because it's too good a scene not to include so we'll put that in now come cressida you and i have a great deal to say to each other i have a feeling you are going to bring us luck you will bring nothing but doom death and disaster don't pay any attention to Cassandra. She takes the gloomiest view. I suspect it's a kind of insurance, so that if things do go wrong, she can always say, I told you so, come along. Good. Yeah, it's just um, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Love it. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so that's another to... thing. Ingham. Ingham, yeah. again. <laughs> when... Um... When they're like, oh, we don't want that in here. And he just, he honestly is just like something from like Kevin and Perry or someone. He's like, don't make me move in again. It's really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, like, exactly. I loved it. It was so adorable. He's just, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed him. It just, yeah. it felt I, that, very modern. Another Paris moment that I just absolutely adored was when he's kind of mooching around for some food and Prime's like, no, get back to the bloody war. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like oh, I just thought, I just thought I'd get a sausage roll. <laughs> so yeah. he's, like, he's like, no, go. Yes. Yeah. No, he it reminded so me good. a teen, because of my brain, it reminded me a little bit of French and Saunders on the sofa when she's the royal expert and Jennifer Saunders has to keep her said, oh, I'm just going to get a sausage roll. He's like, no, stay here. <laughs> We're going to an um yes so moving on to the plans for the capture of troy which um the doctor is directly involved in um again more I than love directly that like terribly sorry it's it's more than just like he's like a bit involved in like he to save his own skin is all i can see like there's no other reason he's to save his own skin he plans like the death of thousands yes Exactly. I mean, that's a dark, mm. dark thing. Yes. And he, like when they arrive there and like when he like meets up with Vicky, he's like, right, let's go. <laughs> and like you hear all the people like screaming and dying all around him. And he's like, what? Let's go. <laughs> I haven't got much time. And you're like, what yeah. to be actual? Yeah. And yeah. this is this is actually a wider problem with the third series of Doctor Who, which is just the the. It's such a weird series. There's so many, so many different ideas, themes, tropes, um, settings. But thing that casts its pall over the whole thing is just how many people die. This series is just ridiculous. Right. Because um, you've got the companions who, the two companions who die in the next story. Um, you've got the massacre, which is immediately after the Dark's Master Plan, which is another massacre of swathes of people. Um, <laughs> at the at the end of the story, while the Doctor and Stephen go. I mean, Stephen briefly leaves the Doctor's side because he's so annoyed and disgusted that the massacre has had to happen. But um, there's just so much death this series. It's just weird. And it's all to do with this new producer, John Wiles. He just brings in so much death. It's just, he doesn't stay long. He's only for about five or six stories, I think. And then he's off and it's someone else brought in. But um, yeah, it's just, wow. It's a weird balance. It's like the opposite of New Doctor Who, where everyone lives, even though they die. 
where yes. it just seems a bit weird. But it's, oh, I didn't die really. Here I am. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, yes. Uh, it's something I wrote down that I really loved is when he was talking to Odysseus, the doctor, and just the practicality. I just loved how practical Odysseus was because the doctor's saying, yeah, I'll help you, but can you make sure that Vicky's going to be spared? And Odysseus is going to be like, yeah, I can't stop every woman in Troy while we're sacking it to <laughs> killing people yeah. to, check if they're, to check if they're friends of yours. Are you Vicky? Yeah. <laughs> he actually says, yeah. he just says, it's not practical, so I can't <laughs> do it. And I just, I just love that he thought that through. That yes. That? Like how unfeasible that was. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that was quite I love good. That. But it so, really, well as, it ruined yeah, Odysseus can... for me because I don't know. You just you're used to Odysseus being the hero. You're used to him being like you know the the you know the person who fought the bloody Gorgons and the the sirens and all the rest of it and you kind of love yeah. him for his strength and all the rest of it but now he's like a fat wanker who just talks to the doctor like shit and you're just like oh I hate the Odysseus he's nasty ass but yeah it just yeah it felt quite strange to see him in there I mean I, I hate him now I should, he should never be repaired I'll never be able to to watch anything else again that has Odysseus in it but yeah it was just mm. interesting to, see, to have him portrayed yeah. as a very different person but there was there was kind of um light and shade to him it was really interesting because at one point he said oh i really didn't want to put Stephen to death it would have really distressed me he said <laughs> i would be most distressed so there was kind of a bit of weird balance there it wasn't totally right. that he was just a yeah violent oath but um but you're right it was yeah. strange though the way he wasn't like he was he kind of was the spokesperson for all the greeks in the the rest of the episodes wasn't he after that initial kind of fun yes. with Menelaus and Agamemnon. Like, they just were gone. There was like, yeah, yeah it's Odysseus is the one who's charmed for us now. Yeah. Um, they're not oh. even in the fourth episode. They're only in the first three episodes, and they're only right. very briefly in episodes two and three. So, yeah. yes. Um, so, Stephen oh, also... Oh, I've got another in... really good line. Sorry. Come on, tell <laughs> me. Troilus go? It's more his sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes! It's so more good. his sort of thing! Isn't that amazing? I love it's it. So good. What yeah. sort of thing? The lines in this, honestly, if this existed, I just know it would be everyone's favourite William Hartnell story. I just know, well, not everyone's, but a lot. Honestly, yeah. I just think the script is just fantastic, but particularly Paris and Cassandra. I feel um, like they must have been allowed to alter it quite a bit because they they're able to deliver those lines so perfectly it's like they wrote them like it just feels like they were able to tap into their own kind of naughtiness and and just put a bit of themselves into it i just i'd love to know whether or not there was any kind of creative license for them but yeah it was it was beautiful yeah. now stephen becomes diomedy so he also loses his name yes. so this this is this is an interesting thing um Shall I tell you some Shakespearean facts about the play Troilus and Cressida? Please do. So, written in 1602 by Bill Shakespeare. (laughs) This is a really weird Shakespearean play, and I'm going to read something. It's from Wikipedia, so it must be true. Um, Throughout the play, the tone lurches wildly between bawdy comedy and tragic gloom. And readers and theatre goers have frequently found it difficult to understand how, is, how one is meant to respond to the characters. 
And I thought, ooh, that's like the Myth Makers, in a way. Yeah, it's just... that really is, yeah. But that's a description of the play Troilus and Cressida. And right. I, I don't um, know how much Is there Donald stuff Cotton... I need to know about Troilus and Cressida? Like, are they... What, what's, what's supposed to happen so, to them? In the original play and from the myth, Cressida is given as a gift to the Greeks, even though she's Trojan, as a sort of like parley, a sort of like bargaining chip, I think. Um, but she has an affair with... To the Greeks, I'm confused, or is it to the Trojans? Yes, to the Greeks, from the Trojans. And she... Troilus is in love with her, but she's with the Greeks. And she has a fling with Diomede in the play and Troilus is really jealous of her and Diomede and yes but you've got all the other Mythmakers characters in there you've got Agamemnon Menelaus Odysseus Cassandra all of them are in it um, but it's a very complicated play and it's not staged very often I don't think right yeah. but, do you know um, whether or not can... Cassandra's role is similar I don't know enough about it no um, but yeah, I was surprised that it was the same characters so directly, mm. you know. Yeah, and exactly that same feel of tragedy and comedy. So yeah, no, really, it was... just quite evenly spread throughout. And yeah, that's quite yeah. bizarre. Yeah. So that was our Shakespearean interlude. Good. We we have we have to talk about Paris going off to kill Achilles, and. And then meeting Stephen, because this is one of the best scenes in the whole thing. It was just, oh. But the, the first bit is, because obviously, because Paris doesn't want to meet Achilles. It's really funny choice, because Barry Ingham decides when he's on the plains of Troy to actually say, come fight you, Jackal. He whispers, because he doesn't want anyone to hear him. And he's kind of like, oh, okay. come and fight me. Because <laughs> he's so, and then, but then Diomede, Stephen, hears him. And then he's like, I'll fight you. And like Paris is like, no, 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 no. I don't want your blood. Oh, he's and he's like, this whole business has just gone on too long. You know, come on. Yeah. Like, we don't have to fight. I dare to face you, Paris. Turn and draw your sword. <laughs> no, you're not Achilles, are you? I'm Diomede, friend of Odysseus. Oh, Diomede, I do not want your blood. <laughs> it's Achilles, I seek. And must my lord Achilles be roused to undertake your death, adulterer? Yes. Well, I'm prepared to overlook that for the moment. I assure you I have no quarrel with you. I'm Greek, you're Trojan. Is not that quarrel enough? Yes, well, personally, I think this whole business has been carried just a little bit too far. I mean, that Helen thing was just a misunderstanding. Which I now propose to resolve. Draw your sword. Oh. Right. Well, you'll be sorry for this, I promise you. Um, but then there's this interesting thing that I want to ask your opinion on. So, according to Peter Purvis's narration, Diomede and Paris's fight, which was filmed on location in French and Ponds in Surrey, so I'd love to see it just because it's on location, um, was apparently, according to Peter Purvis's narration, it says, Diomede or Stephen and Paris fight with surprising skill. Do you remember him saying that? And I'm thinking, 
is that true? Is that just you trying? <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. thinking Peter Purvis decided like... that was the case. Yeah. Because <laughs> he wanted to be like the cool, sexy action hero. But yes. I don't think Barry Ingham as Paris would have played that fighting with no, really good skill. that would have been no. silly. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But, and of course the fact is he throws the fight, Stephen does, doesn't he? And yeah. very quickly says, I yield, I'm your prisoner. And yeah, Paris like, is immediately. like... But, like, really immediately. <laughs> I know. And then he's like, oh, wouldn't you rather die than be taken prisoner? And Stephen's line in response is perhaps my favourite line in the whole thing. When in response to this question, wouldn't you die rather than be taken prisoner? And Stephen says, yes, but only in a general sort of way, you see. (laughs) 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 I'm just going to play that in because it's just, Peter Purvis is just brilliant in that moment. Now, die, Greek, and tell them in Hades that Paris sent you thither. I yield. Make a pass. I yield. I'm your prisoner. Oh, I say, this sort of thing is just not done. I mean, surely you'd rather die than be taken prisoner. Well, yes, uh, but only in a general sort of way, you see. See, when I first challenged you, little did I know that you were indeed the Lion of Troy. Uh, sorry, I, I should have listened to my friends. Why, what do they say? Why, that they would rather face Prince Hector and Troilus together than the mighty Paris, that you are unconquerable. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that in Troy. Oh, I could tell them a tale or two of your valour that, that would make even King Priam blanch to hear. I say, could you really? Yes, and will. Why, I hope my lord Achilles does not meet you. Even now he searches the plain for you, and what indeed would happen to our cause if he were vanquished? Uh-huh, yeah. Um So of course he wants to be captured by Paris. Um and then... I love how furious Vicky is about that. She's just like, could you not have chosen to like dress up as an effing Trojan? Because walking in here looking like a Greek, part. not helping me at all. And he's like, oh, I could only find a, a, a Greek outfit. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like... kind of like face, face palm. She's like, this could have been so different, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but just because I just go back to the burying him scene. And obviously, Stephen we can't see what's going on, the funny business that's going on. I think it'd be even more funny to watch. And clearly, Stephen gives him back his sword before he gets led off by Paris. Because you hear him saying, oh yes, thank you for giving him the sword. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind, of, he kind of plays up that he's the conqueror and he says, come dog. And he clearly doesn't mean it. And no. he says, I shall, have to, I shall have to drive you like a Grecian cur into the city. And it's kind of just, it's just projection. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just brilliant. But it. it's done with a kind of knowing way as well, because like, yeah. Stephen's so clearly complicit in the whole thing. It's just like, yeah, you'll sound yeah. really, really big and strong. And yeah, no, it's, it's nice that they kind of both know what's going on. But then when... When Stephen starts saying that shit to Priam as well, he's like, yes, yes, it was very good, wasn't it? <laughs> and he's so excited that Paris is so excited that Stephen's held up his side of the bargain and made out like he was really strong. It was just like, oh. Yeah, okay. oh, I know. Which none could could you have caught, oh, Lion of Troy? <laughs> he's just like, I love the, that playing up scene. It's just brilliant. Um, particularly Cassandra's reaction when, when Paris says... <laughs> 
Um, I'm treated by more respect by the enemy than I am by my own family. <laughs> she just says, they don't know you as well as we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they did have just... a sister brotherly way about them was so plausible. Totally. Like, you just like, totally. yeah, they so know everything about each other. I really could just good. imagine you or Anna taking me down like that if I suddenly got yeah. on my high horse about anything. I'm like, yeah, but we know you, idiot. Yeah. Yes. But Paris is so kind of caught up in the drama of that. He says, well, you should start revising your opinions. Maybe other people are correct. You know, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. What was it I missed? I was going to say something. Oh, yes. I must talk about the epi- um, the scene in episode two where Vicky and Priam have the meal together. Did you like that scene? Oh, yes. Yeah, that really was the, the biggie, wasn't it? There was a lot going on in that one. It was, yeah. yeah. That was the one that because... wound me up, though, because he was talking so strongly about her being crested a bit. I need to deal with that, I guess. But um, yeah. yes, no, it was. It was strong. There's a weird thing, though, that Troilus is obviously introduced off screen. Or you just see, you must have seen him yes. going off. Because yes, you barely know. And she's like, oh, what about Troilus? And you're like, who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can see him, don't know what you're about. Yeah. 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 And... And there's an interesting thing there in that scene as well about Helen. Let me talk about Helen. So Helen... Do we ever see her? No. And she's not cast. She's not an extra. So I find that really fascinating that Helen is obviously a catalyst for the whole story. And yet... Well, for the war. But she's not in it. And Was she in Troilus and Cressid of the play? Ooh, good question. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be nice to know. But yeah, yeah it, it did seem odd that she wasn't part of it. But then I guess, like, she's not supposed to have a personality. She is just supposed to be beauty, which is a really dull thing to have in a play. There's, yeah. there's not much to yeah. say with that. Yeah, I think Prime says something like, oh, oh, don't mind, she's she's about here somewhere or something. <laughs> yes, just, no, it's not to it's say kind of... that she's not there. She's there, but she's just pointless. Yeah, it's kind of a deliberate absence, I find interesting. And of course, the mm. funny thing is, it's Paris who's meant to have abducted her. But Paris yes. would not have done because he's burying him. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like... Yes, you would never have abducted anything or anyone. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, no. So I think Helen, in this universe anyway, decided, yeah, I'm going to bag myself Paris and live in Troy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to Yeah, like... probably just a better life. Nice Whether he rooms. wants me or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's this wonderful thing here that Vicky and Priam are really similar to each other in that... They're both easily distracted. So Vicky starts talking about Troilus. And then he's like, well, you were going to tell me this thing about Troy and its future. And it's really important. Can you just tell me? Um, you know, wish you wouldn't keep changing the subject. And then later on, he starts talking about Troilus. And Vicky's like brought back to Troilus by him. And they're just equally distracted by each other. And it's just a lovely, beautifully played scene. And I just can't believe yes. it exists. Mm. I, I, I just... I'm spellbound by the story. I really am. Aww. Prince Troilus, who was here just now, is he your youngest son? Troilus? Uh, 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 yes, he's about the same age as you, I suppose. But why do you ask? I thought we were supposed he's, to be uh, talking about... very the... good-looking, isn't he? Is he? Well, I never noticed myself. I don't particularly notice good looks. Uh, only gets you into trouble. Look at Paris. 
Handsome as the devil, but a complete coward. I thought he was rather nice. Yes, women generally do. That's what got us all into this trouble. Of course, you've not met Helen yet, have you? No, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, well, she's... A, oh, well, never mind. If only he'd met a nice, sensible girl like you. I always say it's character that counts, not good looks. Thank you. Kindly. Oh, no, I didn't mean... Good heavens, no. I wish you wouldn't keep changing the subject. Cressida, it's funny you should say that about Troilus. I thought he was rather taken with you. Did you really think well, so? Of course I did. I thought we were supposed to be talking about the war. Now, don't keep changing the subject. You were saying something about a legend. Was I? Oh, I thought that was a terrific cliffhanger to episode two. When Cassandra, because Cassandra's like the most evil, well, not evil, but she's yeah, a terrifying she's just person. Like, when she's her. like, kill her! Kill both of them! Yeah. And I just can imagine that close-up of the, the swords coming towards Vicky and Vicky and Stephen holding each other. But yes. they're in these terrific Trojan, and well, Greek costumes. And I just can picture that so clearly. I just, oh, just what a moment. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yes. And for so, that to be when Barry Ingham finds his balls is quite lovely as well. I love oh, that. Oh, yes. Priam's so yes. proud as well. He's just like, yeah, oh, he, <laughs> He's like, sheath arms, isn't he? Stop. Yes. Yeah. It's really good. It was. It was yeah. lovely. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a, a bit of a, a shame almost, though, that she was so right as well. That was kind of the annoying thing because she's so manic and insane and yeah. annoying and you just like you want her to be wrong but in fact she's so fucking correct with every single thing that she said and yeah. everyone else has had, like you know just completely got one over the Trojans yeah. and you're like oh it's so frustrating but yeah yes. in the whole story she's the only person who's right all the time all the time yes. <laughs> yeah exactly um, even when she says to Katerina that she's um she's gonna die horrifically as well and you're oh, like oh yes Exactly. Yeah, so. Everything yeah. is totally correct. Um, so there's a bit of an odd bit. When they get sent to the dungeons, Vicky and Stephen gets, also Cresta and Diomede get sent to the dun- dungeons. And, um, and and it's really funny because there's this, this, this explanation that the dungeons aren't too bad and that Priam goes there sometimes to have a bit of a think. He says, well, I get tired of things up here. I just, I just go down there for a bit. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But Cressida's kind of like, oh, I'm not happy about going to the dungeons, obviously. Why would you be? And Prime's like, no, it'll be fine. And but she says, but what about Stephen? And she's like, oh, yeah, he'll probably rot down there. <laughs> it's just like... Because yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> he's a great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, what else? I would love to see the dungeon set with which Vicky and Stephen are in. Um, it confused me a bit on the audio. I don't know whether it confused you, because suddenly you can have some private scenes and some scenes that were not private, and it's they could talk. Yes, sometimes it was and very much. It was that was more the Shakespeare kind of private, like they just move slightly to the left, and then suddenly mm. no one can hear them, kind of thing. Like I don't feel like they were that private. But, yeah, well, I, got, no, it was... I did get some information from the Doctor Who: The Complete History volume on my shelf, which told me that the set for this was two separate prison cells with a barred window so they could talk through this window, Stephen and Vicky. So they were in two separate cells. But above them, you could see the Square of Troy set with 
and they had people extras walking back and forward all the time so you could see that it was oh. a marketplace on it which i so i suddenly pictured it more and i was like oh wow yeah that would be amazing um mm. yes it's so hard so. for me to know what i've seen and what i've guessed because i i definitely have seen the the cells um but again mm. it could have just been fake ones um yeah so yeah what did you think about the i guess the thing that i'm less believing but i guess you probably don't need to believe the strength of a relationship and doctor who because it it would take away from um the speed of a plot but yeah just that whole the speed of that relationship with twilight and crested it was just so bizarre it was just like oh hey you should talk to me oh okay i love you <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's just bizarre i didn't quite get it but yeah yeah but it I guess that can happen, but I was just pleased that it um, <laughs> it was at least it wasn't a Leela and Andred situation from Invasion of Time, you know, like it's in the last episode, which is like oh, I'm staying, I'm marrying Andred, and there's not even been a a, a sense of that. But here yes, in episode they, at three, least the you plan have was from the beginning. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you have some scenes where he arrives. Would you like some food? And they have some musical accompaniment which is different as they're sitting there romantically and you feel like they've made a genuine connection um yeah. but you're right it is very sudden and it's obviously plot convenient because yes. they were going to get rid of maureen but yeah i do think it's done way better than i thought it would be look here is this diomedy a particular friend of yours a something? very good friend yes well i don't see how you can be friends with a greek oh look troilus when you come from the future you make friends with a lot of people and he's one of them i see but he's not in any way special no why do you keep on well because that's what i was i mean that's what the others were worried about oh uh, yes well all right uh, you can tell them to stop worrying and let us out yes yes i will but I don't suppose anyone will take any notice. Well, do your best anyway. Naturally. I'll let you know what happens. Perhaps I can come back later on, if there's any news, that is. Well, you know where to find me, don't you? I mean, I don't expect I should be going out or anything. <laughs> I suppose not. Well, goodbye for the present, then, Cressida. Bye, Troilus. Some of the Hartnell exit for companions are just horrendous I mean Dodo being the best example where she's just like oh she's recovering in the country she's gone <laughs> they're like what? really? <laughs> oh, yeah no. but um yeah but I know I know what you mean about the um about the Troilus Vicky relationship but I was more I think yeah, well, it's, it's called my... for all Doctor Who relationships so they have to be that quick because if it was all about the relationship then the good stuff wouldn't happen yeah exactly um, yes but I love the fact that he's not sure whether she's a witch or not he actually asks yeah. her you're not a witch you're not a witch are you <laughs> it's just like <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. and it just yeah it keeps coming back to making sense when you just think of him as a 17 year old and you're just like fuck what do 17 year olds talk about like really yeah. why is he but again, thinking about this yeah, but again, looking at pictures, he's definitely not 17, this guy. He's no. late 20s, I would say. 
Yes. Um, more humour to be had from Menelaus in episode three. He's got this lovely moment where he's really happy that they're going to sail away because of the plan. Oh, we're leaving! We're finally leaving! Yes! And they're like, no, 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 we're coming back. And he's like, he says, why is that always a catch? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So good. The Doctor was obsessed with fetlocks. I've not thought about fetlocks in Doctor Who since Revenge of the Cybermen, where um, Revenge, yeah. where Harry talks about Sarah. Fetlocks like a car horse. Where... <laughs> yes. And suddenly the Doctor's very obsessed with the horse's fetlocks. Um, interesting thing about the prop is that the prop of the Trojan horse still exists. Really? Yes, it's owned by a Doctor Who fan. It may even be a Doctor Who fan whose house I've been to, but I didn't know that at the time, in which case I would have said, please, can I see the horse? Um, Wow. Yeah, but it still exists. And it's the one that you see on the front cover of the Target book, and it just looks so stylish and beautiful. I love the horse design. Yes, it is really cool. Yeah. Oh, bizarre. Mm. Um. Oh, there was a line that I wrote down that I was like, hmm, not happy about that line, which is when they're sitting in the horse and Odysseus says, I'm I'm as nervous as a Bacanti at her first orgy. Oh, yes. Oh, no, not a good line. really not nice. No. So this is not good. No. (laughs) Um, Not like at all. Yes. So the great horse of Asia arrives. Cassandra correctly guesses. I love how it's called the great horse of Asia. It's like, is that in history? Is it is it called the great horse of Asia? Because I just feel like I don't know if you found something in England and called it the great something of England, you just wouldn't. You'd just be like, it's the great horse. Like, it's just like, well, I'm in Asia, so why the hell would I call it the great horse of Asia? It's just a great fucking horse, all right? <laughs> exactly. Then... No, you're right. But this is this thing of artifice again, and it's clearly theatre. This is a theatrical conceit. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it has to really, yeah, over-explain. Yeah. Yes. And you've got that... What do you think about the joke at the end of episode three, which is when Cassandra's saying, whoa to, whoa to the house of Priam, whoa oh, to this. Oh, yes, it's too late to say whoa to the horses on its way. Yes. It's just like, oh, for goodness sake. Do you think they got away with that? Did they get away with yeah. that? Oh, you can forgive Doctor Who anything. I think that's the rule okay. of thumb, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Great heavens, I do believe you're right. It is the great horse of Asia. It's an omen. An omen of disaster. It is the Trojan horse. What did he say? Yes, ask her. Go on, ask her. She knows what it is. It's our doom. It's the death of Troy brought upon us by that cursed witch. Now, understand me, Cassandra. I will not have one word said against that horse. And neither will I against Cressida. Will you not? Then woe to the house of Priam. Woe to the Trojan! I'm afraid you're a bit late to say woe to the horse. I've just given instructions to have it brought into the city.
episode four, Horse of Destruction. So, can we talk a bit about Katarina? Yes, I have notes. Oh, go, go on then. Go, go. <laughs> Be better is mainly it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just imagine if they had had to keep her on. Like, if she spoke with that Shakespearean madness the whole time, you'd never get through an episode. Because she really was very kind of slow and precise and dull. And she couldn't, yeah, she couldn't say things normally. And I mean, it's not her fault. It's the script. But she was an oddball. It just, it didn't feel right at all. But um, yeah, that whole I'm going to die because I'm in limbo kind of thing. And Cassandra's just like... That I thought was was quite interesting, but um yeah no she was she was just quite feeble I think I wrote throughout I was just like oh yeah. no she was really? she was weak she was yeah yeah I mean she only had about it just eight wasn't lines anything much to she her. didn't have much well, to yeah, do at all that's true it's hard to be that interesting when you yeah you don't have much to say but yeah mm. she she wasn't given much of a chance at all really obviously the fact that they'd already decided she wasn't staying like then, yeah, the, she didn't have the best opportunity. But, yeah, she wasn't great. Mm. And at least, like, with Francis White and with Maureen O'Brien, they probably, yeah, okay, they had better lines, but they made everything count. Everything that they said was pretty impressive. Like, you yeah. were hanging on their words. They really grabbed hold of that role and made the most of it. And, yeah, I just felt Katarina was just so insipid and dull and i just yeah 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 Ruined she wouldn't things. have she wouldn't have worked as a long-term companion but not so no. much just because she didn't know stuff but because she just was feeble like you said mm. yeah although of course yeah. she does sacrifice herself to save the doctor and steve and, and brett vion in she God, actually yes. makes that happen to save them all so she's very brave later um, yeah well done well good work done. Yeah. Well, the priestess Cressida told me all would be well, and I knew it was to come. What was to come, my dear? That I was to die. My dear child, you're not dead. That's nonsense. Hmm? This is not Troy. This is not even the world. This is the journey through the beyond. Well, as you Thank wish. Thank you. Yes, 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 as you wish, my child. Now, I want you to keep an eye on that young man, will you? One of those scenes, again, where I'd really love to see it is when Vicky and Stephen spot Katerina across the square and oh it's 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 cassandra's handmaiden and it's kind of spotted across the square and i just love the yes the feel of that and just again i'd love to have seen how that was directed how that looked just yeah i just very excited <laughs> and again and again the crowd scenes just because the the horse has been brought in all the marveling at the horse and all of that stuff i just would love to see it just to see how it felt Mm. and looked like yes didn't you feel the horrificness of the whole the when the actual um when the attack began it was yeah pretty vile wasn't it yes it was and it's like it's very quick but it's also i mean particularly the bit i think with peter purvis's narration it's kind of like um, he says, "Oh, Priam and Paris lie dead." <laughs> it's like what? Yes, yes, he does say it like that, doesn't he? Yes. yes. And it's like, oh my god, these characters who we care about and we think are funny and we like them. Yeah, more than we just... have 
cared about anyone else and talked to him for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And then you have Odysseus going after Cassandra and it's really rapey and it's like, yeah, we're keeping you, love. And that's oh. really horrible. Oh, I think um, I must have missed that. Yeah. And it's kind of shocking, really shocking. And it's just the reality of the sacking of Troy, I guess. But it's it sits difficult at the end of the story, I would say. It sits, it's, it's slightly awkward. Slightly yes, awkward, very it, awkward. It just, yeah, you kind of need it to be a myth at that point. You need it all to just be, oh, well, it didn't really happen, so it's okay. Because then the people you loved were just fun people who entertained you. Otherwise... It's just, well, horrific things happened and those people I cared about and they probably had a horrific time and I think it's just too much to bear at that point. So mm. let's hope it yeah. doesn't happen. I must just mention the beautiful um, colorization that was done by Pip Maidley of Vicky leaving the TARDIS for the last time. She's had oh, her with purple private... dress. Yes. She's had that private word yeah, with the Doctor and she leaves and... Pip Maidley said it was the, one of the hardest things he's ever done. It took him forever to do it. But um, oh. you have these brief scenes from the Mythmakers because someone basically pointed their 1965 video camera at the TV for those scenes yes, in which... Yes, I saw all of those scenes. Yes. There was yes. Like Stephen watching the, the guard yeah. and whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah, I didn't watch those. And it's just to have those. It's just such a tantalising glimpse of what was possible that it was just, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting shivers. <laughs> um, okay, so two more things I want to mention. The last one is, one of the last ones is Cressida and Troilus's final scene, where it kind of seems really hopeful. I know there's issues about it being so fast, but it feels like a hopeful scene. And that Vicky might actually well, be What are you going to do? There. I've got a cousin. <laughs> what? What are you going to do? Oh. What are you going to do? Uh, I've got a cousin. It's Aeneas. I'll be fine. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> <Go> <laughs> yeah, and the doctor's really convinced to Stephen. Oh, should be fine, should be fine. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But I think there's too much it's fine, so it's clear that the doctor, in a good way, is not completely happy with it at all. But in the moment, um, yeah, it has to be okay. So, again, in Troilus and Cressida, the play does... People stay alive. Is it a tragedy? Please God, it sounds like it would be a tragedy. Um, I think Troilus and Cresta are kind of like they are not united at the end. I don't think. Um, but also, there's like four or five scenes at the end of the play which have, don't have them in it. But I haven't looked into oh. it enough. But I think it's also about honor and and glory and other stuff that's not just about that love affair and oh. love triangle. So oh. he was trying to say something else. Which I don't know enough about to explain, but it's it's not anywhere near the same. No. Cressida, look! Be careful, they may be Greeks. It's my cousin. Cousin? Yes. Aeneas. Oh, if only he'd come sooner. That's it. What? He'll help us. But there's... There's nothing left. Yes, there is. There's us. We can start again with your cousin's help. We can... We can build another Troy. Right, we must go to that a bri brilliant Billy Fluff at the end. Wasn't it amazing? <laughs> okay, well, I hope I've got the same one as you. The Fluff I've got is um, when he, he says to Katerina, 
but Katrina, you must call me the doctor. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. No, that's not what I've got. Oh, I just thought it was brilliant that he had a go at her for not getting his name right and caught it. She says, oh, you should call me the doctor, Katrina. And it's like, well, get her fucking name right first and then she might give it a crack. No, but it's okay, even, no, it's even better than that. You will not believe it. When you go back and listen to it, you'll not believe it. So he's talking to Katrina and he says, he's meant to say, I am not a god. But what he says is, I am not a dog. <laughs> no. He says, I am not a dog. And then he corrects himself fully. He says, I am not a god. Oh, no. And it went in, and it went in. Oh, it's just the worst fluff ever. And I'm playing it in now as proof. (laughs) And remember, Katrina, you must call me doctor. Oh, as you wish, doc. I am not a doc. I am not a god. Oh, my god. Or, oh, my God. Oh, my dog. Oh, my dog. Yeah, oh, my dog. Um, (laughs) Was that when Odyssey was saying, oh... Was he really Zeus? Is that around about that time? It's it's in the scene. It's in the TARDIS at the end with Katarina and Stephen um, while she's tending to Stephen and she looks up at the Doctor and saying about him being in limbo. And, you know, there's, that yeah. exact moment you were saying about Katrina. Yeah, it's then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Now, the end of episode caption would have been next episode, The Nightmare Begins. Mm. Because it would have gone on to Kemble and returning to the story from Mission to the Unknown, but with the Doctor Stephen and Katerina arriving on Kemble, desperately needing to save Stephen from his wounds from Troy, as the Daleks' right. master plan begins. <gasps> so he's dun, really dun, not dun. well at the beginning. I'm getting you. Sorry. He's really not well then. No, not well at all. Oh, okay. Yes. But that is a story for another time. We have reached the end of The Myth Makers and I would now like you to summarise your views on The Myth Makers. Well, the Dress for Success section was pretty dull, wasn't it? I don't think we can feasibly do Dress for Success when we don't have any view of what anyone wore. That's my closing line. No, um, Myth Makers possibly would have been a lot of fun to watch to listen to it gives you a glimmer of the the joy that you know that they experienced when they were making it 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 was obviously a lot of happiness and the people who took part um gave something wonderful of themselves i don't feel like it's mine and it will never be mine but as um as a new old who to have been able to share, it's been wonderful. And I'm really impressed with the quality that Doctor Who has been able to produce over the years. Those little glimmers that you see all the time and you're just like, oh, that's why I love it. You don't get that from other series so um, so frequently. So, yeah it, yeah, it was impressive. It was fun. It was different. And, yeah, it was well worth my time. Yeah. Hooray. I think, you know, that thing about history and about whether you own things or not, I think that is actually is important thing to say. And there are two things that make me feel like a connection with it. And one is having read the archive feature in Doctor Who Monthly and just being Mm. like, oh, this looks amazing. And having read that like how many years ago now? Oh, horrible. 
about 40 years ago. <laughs> My God. And, and also that I acted in a play as Odysseus. I don't know whether you know that. No. In, in 1980, um, when I was at the King's School in Timo. And oh it was God, a musical. It was a musical play about the fall of Troy, and mm. and yes, and it was really fun, and I loved doing it, and I I I remember the freedom of wearing a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> it unlocked something, and you did it. Oh, absolutely! But but um. It was such a good play, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I've never found the music for it again, or or the things. It was just I'd love to hear it again. But um, I mean, Odysseus. The the parts that were given were kind of like you didn't have a lot of lines to say. It was more sung than anything else. But something about the connection with that and the myths. And I used to write my own stories about the myths and stuff. So I feel a connection with oh. the whole world of that. Yeah. But but other than that, it really is a new experience for me the myth makers and as i've already said and i declare here and now it is the best first doctor story there you go wow i haven't changed my mind about that nor no. shall i <laughs> <laughs> they definitely changed my mind about vicky she was yes. probably one of the better companions i really did like her feistiness i liked her strength she was interesting yeah. i I, yeah. I enjoyed being given vicky's world for a little while because yeah, yeah she was a lot stronger than susan ever was yeah yeah um okay we need to traverse the hall of fame yes don't we though Um, oh, yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear other people's opinions. But yeah, obviously, we've got to have Paris. We've got to have Cassandra. We've yeah. got to have Priam. Yeah. So you're allowed to add one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a three horse race between those three. I mean, should we even bother with a fourth? Let's just make it between well, those Odysseus. three. Oh, Odysseus, Odysseus. yes. I mean, he'll be in fourth yeah. place, but yes, Odysseus. <laughs> yeah. We never know. It could be Alpha Centauri. It just, you never, yeah. never know. We never know. <laughs> Good. Done. Agreed. Yes. But yeah, Cassandra okay. to win, please. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I'd be fine with Paris too. I really yeah, actually would. Totally. They were both wonderful. I recently um, listened to, or watched rather Barry Ingham in a Bergerac special. I recorded a segment for Round the Archives on um, Bergerac, the Bergerac special Fires in the Fall. And he's the lead guest actor in it, like years later. Um, yeah. It's not as much fun. He's not as much fun in that role, but it's, it's him. Um, yes. Gosh. I would love to hear his opinion of having played Paris because it sounds like... It, to listen to it, it sounds like one of those roles where you can imagine they've really enjoyed being able to say all of that stuff, where they got so much pleasure from every bit of it. And it just feels like a once-in-a-lifetime role where you got to be so silly and so fun. And I just wonder if it felt as good as it was to watch. Yeah, indeed. Finally... Seeing as this is, is New Year's Day, 
and if all the scheduling and all the all the all that is correct, tonight people will be watching the new series of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker, oh series my twelve. God, oh, how exciting! I cannot wait. Do I'll enjoy it, a day people. Later, I'll cope. Yeah, if you're listening to this and thinking I'm so excited about Doctor Who, I had to listen to Doctor Who, so I listened to their podcast. Good work. Yes. I hope you enjoy yes. the first episode of the new series. We shall be watching. And we will have another Jodie Whittaker special at some point. Yes. Do listen. Reviewing, it's, it always adds so 12. much insight. And we will remember all the char- all the regular character names, won't we, this time out? <laughs> all of them. I'm going to write them down, I think, just to help me. But yes, it'll be fine. <laughs> But have you got anything else to add? Nothing. Not a sausage. Gosh. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to play us out with some parping music from Humphrey Searle. There might be a bit of there might be a bit of drumming as well. Fighting with swords in real life. (laughs) So, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Bye. Bye.